Welcome to the Parada Podcast, a podcast that takes 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Filling in for Dan Primack, I'm Kim Hart. On today's show, Trump's midterm rally blitz and Twitter's user loss. But first, paying for childcare is the new front in the job war. The pay gap between young men and women is steadily closing, but there's still a chasm between what older men and women earn, mostly due to the financial strain of raising children. That means that even as we make progress in narrowing the wage gap for new workers who've recently entered the job market, those gains will evaporate when these young women become mothers. So some companies, including Starbucks, Campbell's Soup, and American Express, have begun offering corporate child care benefits to keep women from dropping out of the workforce. Child care costs aren't trivial. I remember being shocked at how pricey daycare was when I had my first child four years ago. In fact, the average family spends nearly 8% of their monthly income on child care, according to the Center for American Progress. For families earning less than $1,500 a month, they spend around half of it on child care. For some women, the cost of child care is a factor in their decision about whether or not to start a family. But doing what's best for women workers isn't the only thing driving this. As unemployment hits its lowest level in almost 50 years, companies are adding perks to lure workers. We've seen that with minimum wage hikes and loan assistance programs. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with this on Axios reporter Erica Pandy. But first, this. Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Joining us in the studio is Erica Pandy, who wrote about this trend for Axios. Thank you for joining us, Erica. Thanks for having me. Tell me what companies like Starbucks and American Express are actually doing. What do their child care benefits actually entail? So American Express, along with Credit Suisse and Campbell's Soup, have these options in place for their employees in their headquarters and some of their higher-level employees. So it'll be things like on-site daycare centers or, you know, reimbursing you if you need to bring your child with you or if you need to bring your child's nanny with you. But already, I mean, we're talking nannies, we're talking work trips. This is wealthier workers. This is higher-level C-suite employees. What sets Starbucks apart is that their benefit applies to everyone from their vice presidents to their baristas. And it's 10 days of subsidized emergency child care, which is one important piece of the puzzle. And that's because these are for times like when you've arranged for your kid to be taken care of by your mom, but your mom gets sick. Or your son or daughter is going to go to a daycare center, but he or she gets sick and you need something in a pinch. Um, So this program Starbucks is offering lets you uh, pay a dollar an hour for someone to come at home and take care of your child or $5 a day for this child to go to a daycare center that they've got a partnership with. And like I said, it's across the board. The U.S. is way behind other Western companies when it comes to government assistance with child care. How is that impacting the workforce? So it's two things. One is massive amounts of lost productivity, and two is a widening gender pay gap. So on productivity, women and sometimes men are delaying their return back to work and even dropping out of the workforce. And then on the pay gap, I mean, the New York Times found that a 25-year-old college-educated woman makes 90% as much as the male counterpart. But when you get to 45, when many of these women have become mothers, they make 55% of what men make, and this is primarily due to motherhood. And as you mentioned, the vast majority of companies that do provide child care options only offer them to the higher-level employees and only at their headquarters. That seems like it won't make much of a dent in the problem, especially if the vast majority of higher-level employees end up being men, as they are in a lot of companies still. So is it kind of an empty promise when you look at it that way? 
I think the fact that they're doing anything is promising, but you're right, the impact is just not there. I mean, a number of experts I spoke with said that it has to be public investment that has that wide impact. In this country still, you've got parents shouldering about 60% of the burden of childcare costs, and that's so much more than any other Western country. And the reason these Western countries are ahead is not because of employer benefits, though they, they do help, it's mainly because of public investment and government help. And the companies that you mentioned are, by and large, large companies. So they're wealthier, they have more disposable income, perhaps, to put towards programs like this. Are there options for smaller companies that may not have such deep pockets? I mean, a lot of smaller companies are really aware that this is a problem, but like you said, they just are not in a position to help their employees. They're already in a pinch themselves. And so it is, you know, the fact that only Amex and Credit Suisse and Starbucks can do this and smaller companies can't, that is a big reason why public investment, again, has to be a bigger part of the puzzle here. Speaking of public investment, the other part of this equation is paid parental leave. And the U.S. is obviously much farther behind other countries when it comes to this as well. Is there any potential for more support there, either from the public or private sectors? So the expert consensus is that paid parental leave is underprovided and underfunded here in the U.S., and that's definitely fact. But I think that it's worth noting, though, that in Denmark, the pay gap is almost as large as here in the U.S., and economists have theorized that it's because a year of paid parental leave, which is what they provide there, is actually discouraging new parents from coming back to the workforce when they might have done so earlier if it wasn't as long. Still, at least they have the option of staying home with children here. This is definitely the other half of the problem and got to be something that's attacked along with paying for childcare. Are there regional disparities that go along with this in the U.S.? Childcare services in large cities tend to be more expensive, but less populated areas also have fewer options. Is there anything that can bridge the gap? Uh, It's basically what you would imagine. Wealthier states in the Northeast have uh, a score higher on this, and states in the Rust Belt are struggling. And like you said, the regions differ a lot by the available options and also parents' preferences. I mean, some parents in cities prefer daycares. Parents in more rural areas prefer family or in-home care. So I think this is why the government solution is the block grant, which gives states money to put directly into parents' pockets so they can make the choices. But even this is underfunded. I mean, I think about one-sixth of the people is, is the most recent stat that need this money are getting it. Erica, thanks so much for chatting with us today. My final two is coming up next. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. First, President Trump is going on a midterm rally blitz between Halloween and Election Day, starting with one in Florida. He'll hold at least 10 midterm rallies and may bump that up to two rallies in two different states each day. That's a heavy load of campaigning for anyone, let alone a sitting president. Historically, presidents tend to lose congressional seats in their first midterm election, and Trump seems determined to prevent that. He's also trying to rev up Republican voters ahead of a tough election. These rallies are also a crucial time for Trump to test out messaging in real time with Republican base. As Axios's election Lexi McCammond points out, only eight of the 33 midterm rallies have been in areas that voted for Hillary. Finally, it's a big day for tech earnings, with Google, Snapchat, Amazon, and Intel reporting earnings this afternoon. Twitter said in its earnings report this morning that it lost 9 million active users last quarter, another sign that social media platforms like Snapchat, Facebook, and Twitter have hit a saturation point in the U.S. 
In July, Twitter purged millions of locked and fake accounts, causing the following of many high-profile users to drop significantly. Still, Twitter indicated that its active daily users are up, suggesting that people who use the platform are using it more frequently. Some users are also ditching Facebook. A recent Pew Research Center poll showed 26% of respondents had deleted Facebook app from their phone and 42% have taken a break from checking Facebook for several weeks or more. The days leading up to the midterms are a major test for both Facebook and Twitter. After their platforms were used to spread misinformation and election interference efforts in 2016, they both have to show they are vigilantly watching for any malicious behavior. If they aren't successful in that, they'll probably lose the trust of more users. And of course, that's bad for business. And we're done. My thanks to producers Adam Gracia and Tim Chovers. As Dan would say, have a great National Greasy Foods Day. Dan will be back on the mic on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast.